0: boom 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 okay hang on for a second my kids apparently were on my computer (laughs) and no good can come of that Thanks to the Mudbugs for playing us in, and I will point out that LSU has not lost a football game since the Sneaky Good Podcast had the Mudbugs start playing our opening theme. I'm not saying, I'm just saying.
1: (laughs) Causation is not, wait, wait, wait. I I totally screwed (laughs) that up Causation is
0: not causality. Thank you. That's what I meant. (laughs) But always helpful and here to help out is our producer, Chris. Hello, hello. Say hi. Hi, Chris. Hello, Gracie. Coming to us from the wilds of Maryland. Jake, how's it going out there? Uh, We've got snow today. I heard like a whole two or three inches shut down the whole Metroplex. Yep. That's how you can say that D.C. is still in the south, that just a little bit of snow can knock out the whole place. (laughs) Yeah. But someone who is not afraid of any amount of snow... From the Great White North. Seth, how's it going? Good. I have
2: two things to say. One, (laughs) LSU is undefeated since me and Jake joined the podcast. (laughs) Okay, first of all. Second of all, there was snow on the inside of my car. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, I'm not afraid of nothing, man.
0: I would like to say that my wife and I own one ice scraper and we share it. They're lose. like
1: five bucks on Amazon. You can spring for another one.
0: Well we used to have two, but I broke one. So nice. we, and what's the point of getting a new one until you get another frost? <laughs> so <laughs> And there hasn't been a I frost too. Yeah,
2: it was so cold that I so I went out and I started to scrape the outside of the windshield. And then I was like, man, why is it still, like, I still can't see anything. And then I went inside and realized yeah, really? that it had frozen on the inside, too. And I had to scrape the inside of the car, and uh-huh. there was snow all
0: over it. Anyways, it was a whole thing. You, you know what? People should not live in Canada. That's really, that's really <laughs> what I'm <you're> saying. <laughs> well done. Off to a great start. <laughs> I mean, that just sounds awful. I mean, just, that is literally why I moved south. Twice. Or I, I looked at snow and said, No, I'm not gonna do this anymore. And I did not nearly have the level of snow where I had snow inside my car. That never happened.
2: Yeah, this was, this is a, a few times a year type of situation. Oh god, that sounds awful. Yeah. Just cool. awful.
3: So but, what, like all of my college applications were either to schools in the south or in state. Cause there was like no chance I was actually going like North to get even colder. But of course then like none of the schools uh, that were in the South actually
0: accepted me. So I just wanted up staying here. <laughs> so yeah. So you're still cold and let that be a yeah. lesson. Yeah. Let that be a, I don't know what the lesson is there. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so so Seth, I, I do have a question. The
3: next time you apply for college, get accepted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So Seth, do you guys play football in the snow?
0: Yeah, all the time. Okay. Yeah, football in the yeah. snow is fun as heck. That's the, one of the a, things about uh, snow.
2: It's okay. I, I think it depends. I remember one time, one of the problems, I guess this is true with any type of weather, uh, like bad weather situation, but I remember like back in the day, and when I say back in the day, I mean like the mid-2000s, when I was playing high school football, was if, if something got wet, Like, there wasn't these, like, you know, all these, like, air wick technology um, long sleeves. So if if your shirt got wet and it was cold outside, you were screwed for the rest of the day. That was the worst.
0: Yeah, that sounds awful. For those of you in Louisiana, what happens is it turns to ice. It really does. (laughs) And you have a very stiff shirt that's cold as well. So you can't move your arms and you're cold and wet. It's pretty awful. I don't recommend it. But since we're talking about things that are terrible, let's talk about things that are awesome. LSU is going to play for the national title next Monday, and how excited is everybody?
1: I'm already going to a watch party.
0: And you didn't invite me? I'm hurt.
1: Well, I, I wasn't. It was, it's not my watch party. It's someone uh, else's. Okay,
0: sure. So. I see where you are. I see where you are.
1: <laughs> if it was my watch party, you absolutely would have been invited.
0: I appreciate that. That means a lot. I will be having a watch party at my house
3: with me and myself and I. Which so, honestly, honestly,
0: I don't I don't think I'd ever be good
3: at those kind of things because I just get too anxious. I don't. I don't know. I don't think I'd be like, good with like dozens of pe- people around me watching a game.
2: Yeah, it's the same with me. I'm going to be watching it uh, by myself. I I just don't want to. I don't want other people to see me in my most natural. <laughs> <speed. laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: at your see, most vulnerable, the- right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Don't want my kids to be exposed to me during the game, so I'm getting a babysitter and leaving the house. Oh. Because I don't need to have kid duty. I don't need to have a kid coming up to me mid-game and saying, I mean, they'll be asleep for most of it, but I don't need someone in the first quarter being like, hey, Dad, I need to go potty. Will you help me wipe? No. No, I will not. (laughs) I'm going to be at this bar, and I'm going to be drunk. So it's going to be awesome. Um, Yeah, I'm going out and watching it with a – LSU alumni party is happening in Dallas, so I'll be there cheering on the Tigers because I need people around. Because it's there are a few things better than when a team wins and you're with fellow fans. It's just a cool thing. So if you can seek out another LSU fan, even if it's just one, you know, just hang out together and be nervous together.
2: Well, I think that's the issue with like me and Jake being so far away. Like there's, I don't have any LSU friends.
3: In, the,
0: the, uh, only, uh, the only the only other Montreal. LSU LSU Maryland fan I know is you, Bowser. <laughs> I'll put it over with my mom. I'll see if she'll let invite you over. My mom will make go, well, She'll say, hey, come on, Jake. Come on in. Watch the game. <laughs> Though, knowing my mother, she will record the game and watch it in the morning because she doesn't want to stay up late. That's, uh, a, that's a power move. Well, also because she's not on Twitter. So it's not like anyone's going to ruin the game for her. So she can, like, go to bed at, like, 9 o'clock and then wake up, have it all on DVR, just watch it the whole way through. Not one person will spoil it for her.
3: That sounds, like, really awesome if they win and then, like, kind of crappy if they lose. Because, like, if they win, it's, like, the whole day to just bask in the glow of it happening, like, an hour before. And if they lose, it's like, oh, I got the whole rest of the day. Well, Well, but
0: if you lose, you can just fast forward to that that bad boy and you're done. Yeah, you, I mean, can, you
3: yeah, can unless it's like close. You got to watch the. Like, oh yeah,
0: that's true. If it's close, you got to watch the whole thing. But if it's <laughs> the, whole, close, the whole thing, you can just you can knock that thing out in thirty minutes if it you just gets you know just gets crushed. Seth, are they going to get crushed? So they're not going to get crushed. They're
2: they can score. We've been saying it the whole year. They can score. They're not going to get crushed. And I made the mistake of watching Ohio State Clemson just now, and they. Clemson should not be in this football game. So, I should have done it, I know. But I'm so confident right now that LSU is going to win.
0: I mean, that is one of the tough things with Clemson. If you look outside the Ohio State game, where they had a lot of fortunate breaks go their way, let's just be honest. Take away that game. Their second toughest game... Well, they had a tough one against North Carolina, but I'm just talking... If you just look at the teams, I mean Virginia, maybe Louisville. I mean that it is a garbage schedule they played. I, I guess they played a.m. So, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know if the schedule means much at this point anymore. They played Ohio State and they won.
3: So they've played a great team now. I don't know how much really it matters at this point. The regular season schedule.
0: I mean, they, they played, played a great, great team. Yeah. Kind of backed in the victory. I mean, like they got. I don't want to say every break went their way, but almost all of the important ones went their way. It is—I'm not saying Clemson's a bad team. I'm saying it's hard to judge if Clemson's how good they are because they haven't played anyone good, and the one really good team they played was a just kind of a freaky game.
3: I mean, it was and it wasn't. Like they had more yards per play than Ohio, State. so I mean, like Ohio State. I don't think I think Ohio State had one, two drives in the second half of really any kind of substance. Right, I, I think, yeah. and, then, and then they obviously the the drive at the end of the end of the game where they do the interception in the end zone. So I mean they did get like a bunch. Of, right, if football's catch rules are normal, the A.K. Dobbins catch that turns into a field goal. If Ohio State is better in the red zone, they score touchdowns. The, the interception that wasn't, you know, or fumble the, return. I think the fumble was, the you know, return. Call back. Back. Yeah, that should, that should have been a touchdown. So there were lots of three or four big plays that they don't go Clemson's way they probably lose but on the other hand kind of look at the the box score it is that was a very close game again again I think Clemson had a better yards per play I just think it's a better matchup for LSU like that's what I that's why I'm confident for that reason like Clemson's awesome whether they're better than Ohio State or not I don't know but I think Ohio State worse matchup because the way to beat LSU is if you can get pressure with your defensive line and not have to rush extra people. And Ohio State could do that, not Chase Young, obviously, but then some of the other guys they had. They had the defensive line that most similar matched up. It was the one team that was able to just rush three and then, you know, have some success because they didn't need to bring extra rushers because they had Brown and Davidson and they could get pressure with their line. That's what Ohio State could do. I don't think Clemson can do that. You know the defense. They lost like all of their defensive linemen from last year's team when they had the best defensive line front in the country. And so they've got a great, you know, they got a great secondary. And Simmons is an absolute freak. And but I don't. The secondary to me doesn't really concern me when it comes to playing LSU because it doesn't. Your secondary can be as good as you want it to be you're not going to be able to stop all five of those guys. The question is whether you can put Burrow on the ground and get to him before he gets the ball off. And I think Clemson is going to have to manufacture pressure and blitzes, which Venables is great at, but I think they'll have to manufacture more than Ohio State, who I think probably could have been able to just by rushing their base four guys.
2: Seth? Yeah, no, I think that... um... I'm very interested to see how Venables plays it, at least early in the game. Obviously, as things go on, he will have to make whatever adjustments are needed. But, you know, he started the Ohio State game kind of playing base. A lot of just, honestly, just a lot of four down, you know, 4 to 5 stuff. And then as as it went on, they started blitzing, and he, and he found success that way. Came with a really... Really nice blitz to get a sack, I remember, in the third quarter when they sent uh, they sent six guys and still played zone behind it, which is really cool. Uh, so I think that's what I'm interested in early, is kind of if he's going to just start in base. Because I think you can't do that against LSU, because I I don't think they have the players up front to deal with LSU doing that. I think they're going to have to start slanting and stuff and coming with... So I, I've seen like two... Clemson's this year I I kind of I just watched the Virginia game and like I said the Ohio State game and and so he kind of based it up early but I remember and I maybe I should watch it again but I was at the Syracuse game early in the season and I was seeing some crazy stuff from Venables where it was basically a three-man front but he was he was almost always sending a fourth guy from somewhere and it was like, I mean, I called it total football, um, like the, to, to use the soccer term, where everyone could do any, any role in the defense, and he was coming from all different angles. And he was always kind of still being in a four-down front, but it was coming from a different place, and it was really, really, I mean, it killed Syracuse. I think they racked up like seven or eight sacks against Syracuse. Obviously, that's not LSU, but um, it was really special what he was doing. And then watching the last two games, he had, didn't do that as much. So I wonder if he goes back to that given what LSU is doing. And LSU is more of a zone team. And against zone, you want to kind of... Well, I wouldn't say necessarily a zone team, but they're, they're not a team that pulls guards and tackles a lot. So against those type of teams, you want to slant your D-line and move people um, after the snap because it kind of screws with the counting system that the O-line have to block people. So I think we could see that very early because I don't think you would want to get kind of behind the eight ball, especially against an, L- an LSU offense that if, if you do, you're done. So I think that'll be kind of that's kind of what I'm looking for very early in the game to see um, kind of the funkiness that, that Venables brings to the game.
0: First off, I appreciate any reference to '70s Dutch football, so <laughs> that, that is always welcome. Uh, Johan kriya for life. Um, that said, I do like the idea that Clemson's going to have to disguise its coverages, disguise its blitzes. I like the idea of him doing something exotic. Venables has, I can't think of a defensive coordinator with a better reputation. If anyone can shut down the LSU offense, it's Brent Venables. That's what we've been led to believe. And honestly, he's earned that reputation. He is a great defensive coordinator. I do think there's a problem that they just don't have the line that they did last year. You can be as genius as you want, players still matter. And I, I think that's where he runs into problems because if you start blitzing LSU, Joe Burrow just finds the spot where the blitz is coming from. If the question is, is Joe Burrow smart enough to figure out where an exotic blitz is coming from? I like my odds. He's not going to win every time, but I think he'll win more times than not. And LSU's offense will be, Make yards against a blitzing defense.
2: Well, I'll tell you something that I saw from the Ohio State Clemson game, but it's actually on the other side. So Clemson had the ball. Oh, it, it was the the ejection hit when Sean Wade came on the blitz, yeah, and he, yeah. And, uh, and he got clean free on on Lawrence. So there's about 20 seconds left on the snap count, and they do um, you know kind of a dummy snap. I don't remember what it was. I think it has to have to do with the center. The center kind of dips his head like he's going to snap it. And then Ohio State gets into their rotation because they're going to blitz Sean Wade off, you know, as the nickel. So Clemson sees it. There's 20 seconds left because they were in a dummy count and they didn't snap the football. And then Lawrence just kind of stands there, doesn't do anything, and then they snap the ball on the second count. And Sean Wade is free in and, 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 you know, gets the sack on on Lawrence. And when I was watching this and I was like, Oh man, they, they need to, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, as a, as a, as an OC quarterback guy, I'm like, okay, well they need to see, they saw the blitz coming because they bluffed them. They need to slide the line or at least get the center to that side so that they can have enough numbers to block the extra blitzer. And they don't do that. And it, and it reminded me how good Joe Brady and Steve Esminger has been, have been because a lot of times when you see Burrow look to the sideline, it's not necessarily to change the routes or even like whether, you know, from a run to a pass. It's really just to give the protection to the O line. And that's, you know, when they do their dummy count, usually with like a fake clap or something with Burrow doing it, it's to see those type of things and to get them to the right protection. And obviously, that's worked wonders f- for us because anytime anyone's blitzed, they've been ready for it and they've carved people up. So I thought that was super interesting to think about how, you know, with Venables coming with whatever he he's going to bring, a lot of it is actually going to be on the plate of Brady and Ensignor to get into the right calls.
0: Now, question is, since we've been talking about the LSU offense a lot versus the Clemson defense, and I know that's a high profile matchup of genius against a genius, essentially a Brady versus Venables, but how do people feel about the LSU defense? It's really kind of played great since the Ole Miss debacle, and even the Ole Miss debacle was the second half when they were up by, you know, twenty eight points. Do you think Dave Aranda's is going to dial up anything weird in this game, Jake? I don't think he has to
3: really. You know, I said this. A- I think on Twitter, kind of when the and this is another thing, part question of why I like the matchup is that you know LSU does a lot of when it comes to like LSU's offense, they do a lot of scheming and creating great matchups for their mismatches for their guys. You know, they're any they try to find any a matchup for any guy that they can. You know, as Joe Brady said it after the the Peach Bowl, it's there's not one on ones on our in our offense, or one Clemson's offense is basically entirely like they just. I mean, for lack of a better term, they throw it up to their awesome wide receivers and say, Trevor, put it in the right spot, and then you guys go catch it. And it works because they've got NFL wide receivers, and they always have NFL wide receivers, and because they have a NFL quarterback, and beforehand, they're not Watson. But it, it's not super difficult to like scheme against, necessarily. It's just a matter of whether you have the players. Pretty much no one that Clemson plays has the players, I and mean, then even you know in the national championship game last year, Alabama had the players to some degree, but I don't think they had the secondary that LSU did, and I think that led to some of some of the success. And also, I mean, Lawrence just made some of the most ridiculous. And he was like it would be third and ten, and just he treated third and ten like third and two. He threw it you know twenty yards down the field for a ridiculous catch. But LSU, if the matchup is you know one on ones between those Clemson wide receivers and LSU's DBs, I'll take my chances. You know, like I mean. Higgins and Ross, I mean, they're awesome wide receivers. Rogers, but if you know, it's one-one with you know against Stingley or Fulton on those guys. I'll take the chances with that matchup. I I think that is that works. That is something that LSU's defense will take. So I don't think you know there's there's not a lot. I think that Aranda has to really kind of come up with a you know like a new defense or you know something unique. It's kind of asking their guys to win the matchups, and I think that's what it really. Like, well, well, the LSU offense versus the Clemson defense is you know, kind of what convenables come up with. I think this side of the ball is who kind of wins those matchups.
2: I agree a thousand percent. And I watched, you know, like, so Ohio State, I was surprised. I mean, I guess I, I should have already known because I know their defense a little bit. They played one defense the whole game. I mean, it was man-to-man. It was one high man-to-man. And they mixed in a little bit of cover three, but it's still really a, a one high defense. And that's what Aranda does. You know, and it's what he's been going to later in the year is just playing a lot of man to man because well I got I got I got athletes. So what happens is kind of like the you know the the gift and the curse because you can't play like I watched you know the Virginia game and there was some too high zone stuff and you know corners playing off. It's too easy for Clems- for Clemson and Lawrence. Lawrence is too Talented as like a timing dropper, and with his accuracy, if you play off, they'll hit those six yard outs all day. Uh, they'll hit the um, glance posts like LSU does all day. So you got to play man, you got to be physical, you got to get in their face. And obviously, LSU, like Ohio State, is one of the few teams in the country that can do that. And it's already what what Aranda does. So I I kind of see him kind of see him doing that. And then on the flip side, like I said, the gift and the curse. The flip side is. The big uh, Travis Etienne screen pass for a touchdown was against man. So all the receivers run off the DBs. The D-line comes in. They throw it over the D-line's head. And now there's just one guy who's covering the running back. And you get the tackle out there or the guard on the screen block. And then Etienne is gone. In fact, it might have been the same thing. It might have been man coverage on the long uh, draw play from Trevor Lawrence for the touchdown. Where it's the same thing. You get everyone to rush upfield. The receivers run off the DBs, and now there's so much open field with not a lot of guys. You make one guy miss, and you're gone. So I think that's the way that Aranda will play it, and you kind of got to live in a world where, hey, it's not... It, you, you might give up the explosive play, but you can't just get out of it because LSU's too talented, to
0: Now, in the run-up to the game, of course, everyone's... If you look around the Internet... You know Everyone's trying to find the weaknesses of each team and stuff like that. One of the guys who's kind of been up for just kind of getting whacked around has been Jacoby Stevens, who I think for a guy who was named the SEC Defensive Player of the Week three times and had eight and a half tackles for a loss in the season and I think was LSU's second or third leading tackler, is really getting taken around the woodshed for blowing one coverage against CD Lamb. And I don't really think he blew the coverage. So I'm kind of getting to the point where I kind of want Clemson to attack Jacoby Stevens. Am, am I crazy for that?
3: Yeah, some of those, the the quote in that Bruce Feldman article from The Athletic about like what opposing coaches thought about LSU, some of them really took Stevens, yeah, to the woodshed. And odd. I mean, that just didn't really make sense to me. But also in that article, there was a coach who thought Christian Fulton was average, in which case I think is a fireball. If you think that dude's average, you probably shouldn't be employed. But... No, I think I, I think if, if there's like if there's an issue as far as like linebacker, I think it's Clemson's linebackers that I think are a bigger weakness than Jacoby Stevens. He might not be amazing in coverage, but he's like he didn't play the coverage against. I mean, like if, if we're judging on well, he couldn't cover CD Lamb. Guess what? There's not a safety in the country that's going to cover CeeDee Lamb.
0: Right? And it's not like he blew the coverage. He was right there. CeeDee Lamb no, made a like, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, like, I mean, I, mean I think that's what's killing me about it. Like, Jacoby Stevens is getting murdered, and even they kind of said it on the, the play-by-play. Like, oh, well, Jacoby Stevens kind of blew the coverage. And you're watching the play. He's right on the guy. He's covering the the second-best wide receiver or maybe the third-best, depending how you feel about Judy. He's covering a Balitnikov finalist. The guy makes a great catch, and all of a sudden, Jacoby Stevens can't cover? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Yeah, and and
2: I'm pretty sure they weren't lined up properly to begin with. It was one of those plays where I think Oklahoma snapped it fast, and they didn't have the call in, and so that was, I don't know. I mean, you don't want to throw plays out, but I mean, if, there's, if there was one play to throw out, it's a play where they weren't ready on the snap, and they got CeeDee Lamb... A running start against the safety at twelve yards. So I don't know.
0: And I don't even. Know if yeah, and, and
3: I think uh, has, like, Jake dudes to cover him. Like, I like, I'm not, I shouldn't say like I don't know if Clemson, like Clemson has three. Their two main guys are gonna cover are gonna be matched up on Stingley and Fulton, and then Amari Rogers is a really good player. Maybe he will be matched up with Vincent. I mean, maybe Jacoby Stevens. I mean, it's not like now that Clemson's offense is amazing, but it's not like they bring like they have five dudes like LSU does who like, are all really hard to cover. Like, I don't think Clemson's fourth guy is as like, a, a difficult a matchup maybe as Thaddeus Moss is. And Etienne, while well, an exceptional player, I don't think is the receiver that Clyde is. So it's not like Stevens is going to... I'm sure they'll try to find matchups to get you know, one of Higgins or Ross on Stevens, but it's... I don't think they have five threats to the point where, yes, Stevens will have to match up on somebody, you know, every down who's really difficult to, to guard. And it's not like he, you know, matched up with CD Lamb that
0: often happened on one play. And also, I think, you know, you raise the point when you're talking about Clemson's linebackers. I mean, Isaiah Simmons is amazing. He, he is a elite talent. But the other linebackers, I mean, once again, they're not terrible. Clemson recruits, but they're not Isaiah Simmons. And I think Clemson, Clemson starts having problems. Who is their other linebacker who can cover After their top two defensive backs, who is the guy who's going to cover? Who's going to cover Terrence Marshall? I mean, I know you brought up Thaddeus Moss, and that's a big question. That's a linebacker. are probably going to end up covering him. But they have to cover our number three receiver. And, and that's where teams get burnt. I mean, Kerry Vincent's been, you know, taken – taken for a ride by a lot of fans this year, but he's LSU's number three cornerback. I'll put him up against almost any number three corner in the country.
3: No, I don't think they're, I don't, their linebackers are, I don't think they've got any guy who is, can really match up with any of the guys LSU has. I mean, like, I don't want to like demean them really, but they're kind of slow. And I think they, you know, look good because they played some, really bad ACC offensive lines. And by really bad ACC offensive lines, I mean, there are some offensive lines in the ACC that are just truly, like, some of the worst offensive lines you've ever seen in your life. Look, Florida State, for example. Yeah, like, Simmons is the, you know, the monster. And that secondary is great. Terrell is also um, a really great player himself. Tanner Muse has got four picks. Like, that secondary can go, but those linebackers are kind of slow. And so, like, if LSU can get, you know, yeah, like Marshall kind of on those over the middle routes, you know, they sometimes get him on, or obviously like Clyde out of the backfield or something like that. I don't think that they've got to. I don't think they've got linebackers who can cover. Not, not they can't cover LSU's guys.
2: Yeah, I don't think that um, the two inside backers they have. I've got their names. I think one of them Skalski. Yeah, Skalsky. i got the other guys. Uh, yeah. White, I think. Uh,
3: Chads, no, not 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 I think.
2: But yeah, I don't think uh, they don't really have the, the just the size to, to deal with Thaddeus Moss. Like they might be good players, but I think Thaddeus Moss just just has so much size on them.
3: Yeah, like yeah, I, just, like, I think they're slow too. Like, I, just, I just don't yeah. think they're like Skulskis six foot two thirty five. I mean, oh, no, that's not gonna. I don't think that's
2: gonna do it. Yeah, I mean, the other one doesn't have the height. I don't think.
0: Yeah, and. I would like to point out that Clemson ranks first in the nation in yards per attempt allowed and first in passer rating allowed and also first in passer yards per game. So we are literally talking about statistically the best defense in the country. But this is where I get into the fact where I think schedule matters. Like they have not faced a passing attack anywhere near LSU's ability. I think the best passing offense they faced all year was Louisville. And even the last two games where they started playing tougher opponents, UVA can't throw the ball. I mean, they're much more of a running team. And Ohio State's not... They're not on LSU's level when it comes to throwing the ball. They're a much better running team. But we are getting closer to elite at that point.
3: Ohio State's... That's the one... I mean, that's the comparable because Fields is a fantastic quarterback. But Fields was... I don't know, Like really... Fields was close, like, he was jittery. Like, it looked like, you know, his first kind of... It looked like a guy who was, you know, kind of a year away from being, you know, maybe... I don't want to say ready for that. Kind. Like, Justin Fields, Justin Fields had thrown one interception all year for, like, 40-something touchdowns. I mean, the dude is a fantastic quarterback. But there was just... There was a few kind of throws he made, you know, and then uh, the, the one interception, and then some of the sacks he took that were a bit you know kind of a stage fright and you're not going to get that with Joe Burrow. And
0: Yeah, and also look Fields had a pretty pretty awesome game. He completed 65% of his passes, threw for 320 yards, 7.0 yards per attempt. That is not It's not like they shut Fields down. They slowed him down. The, the two picks, the two picks were the one that, The two picks is really that's, what
3: That's that's what kills it. And Yeah. And I mean 7 7 yards per so if you if you get 7 yards per attempt in a playoff game, I mean that's not it's not great. They, they threw the ball a lot. And this, I mean, the other thing is that, uh, as awesome as Ohio State's offense is, they are prone to, they were prone to poorly timed sacks. They, they sometimes took sacks at inopportune times. And LSU is not, I don't know if they're like the most amazing, I don't know where they rank exactly in sack rate. I think they're in the top 30-ish they don't really take, you know, bad sort of like crippling kind of sacks. Sometimes they'll get one on, you know, a, like a first down that might set them back a bit, you know, like a, you have a second or 12, second or 13. But often, you know, if it's a third down, they don't really give up, you know, sacks. And so that's something that Clemson was able to do really well on Ohio State was the, the, two, the two picks for the big one and then you'll get some third down sack plays um, that got Ohio State off the field. I don't know if that's necessarily repl- replicable against LSU. Um, they're gonna—I mean—they're gonna present, you know, some problems. on you know—if S- if Simmons gets an opportunity, he will probably get to the quarterback because he is a fantastic rusher. And look, their their secondary is great, so there's probably going to be some, you know, compared to uh, the Oklahoma game, obviously, maybe even the Georgia game, there'll probably be more fifty-fifty, you know, contested balls than LSU's had in recent weeks. But, I mean, if it's a contested catch, there's not anyone better in the country than Chase and Jefferson.
0: So at the end of the day, on a scale of Alabama 2011 or Oklahoma last week, how does this game go for LSU? I mean, I, I...
2: I think we match up well against them because you know the same stuff that we've been talking about, they're going to have to blitz us or they're going to have to do something funky against us. I don't think they can get pressure with three or four, and that's what we've been saying for two months now. You have to rush three, but you have to tackle Burrow, and no one's been able to tackle Burrow. Um, you know he makes another Heisman moment play um, getting the ball down the sideline to Terrace Marshall in the semifinal like if you can do that then you can kind of slow down LSU but if that's I don't think that's what L, what's that's what Clemson can do right now they're a lead on the back end but I don't think they're good enough up front to just play ball Play off and, and, and um, drop everyone in coverage and and uh, and sack Burrow. Yeah, I mean it's when you look at
3: the numbers like under pressure. Like I mean, this stat to me is like the most mind-boggling one. It's LSU's expected points added per passing attempt. So that's like an advanced stat that measures you know like explosiveness and efficiency. When without pressure, Joe Burrow's at point two seven expected points added per attempt. With pressure, it goes up to point three one just ridiculous he gets when there's pressure and you look like Trevor Lawrence who's at .18 his drops all the other top quarterbacks drop it's like like Joe Burrow is better when he's under pressure than he, than he is when he's not and so Clemson's going to do a lot to pressure him but if they don't sack him that's basically it that's the that's the nail in the coffin for you and well, I think you know if LSU can get you know, pressure on Lawrence, they should have success. I, I just think the other thing that is good for LSU is that, you know, if, if LSU gets off to a slow start in this game, which they haven't really all year, I mean, except the Auburn game, it's all right. You know, like they have, there will be enough possession for this offense to get back into it. But for Clemson, I think if they get off to a slow start, it eliminates probably their running game. And I think that's really where their success is. Lawrence is one of the five, three or four best quarterbacks in the country. But where I think the game, I don't want to say will be one of losses, but who is incredible. And I mean, he was the difference maker against Ohio State. And if LSU is able to get ahead, they kind of, to some degree, take ETN in the run game out of the equation. And I don't know if, as great as losses and as great as the receivers are, I think if this comes down to a, you know, through the air kind of game for the last, the second half or the last three quarters, LSU wins that. So that's why, you know, if LSU can get off to a good start in this game. I think that's just so well compared towards if maybe they get behind by you know a touchdown or maybe like 10, I could definitely see them clawing their way out of it.
0: I'd like to say that LSU blew out Oklahoma uh now two weeks ago with Jamar Chase with a case of the flu and barely playing, and Clyde Edwards Hilaire hurt and barely playing. So I don't know how much you ding the LSU offense with missing two of its best players like that, but It was nowhere near full speed, and they did that to Oklahoma. Clemson's a much better defense than Oklahoma, but I I think Seth hits on a major point. Their secondary is elite, but if you can't get to Burrow, no one can cover for four seconds, particularly LSU's receivers. Even the best secondary in the country needs a pass rush to end the play, and if you give Burrow time, he's going to carve up anybody. And so I think that kind of negates Clemson's biggest weakness. I I think a fully operational Death Star of LSU's offense is almost unstoppable, which means the only way for Clemson to win the game is either to make a track meet and try and score with LSU, which I don't think they can do, or they try to slow it down, which I think at that point then they're trying to modify their offense too much, and they're trying to be who they're not, which at the end of the day also screws them. I honestly think LSU is going to be up big in the fourth quarter and will spend the fourth quarter making us nervous by trying to blow the game, but they're going to win this game comfortably. I I feel really, really confident about that game this game, and that is terrifying to me. Cause I just I think LSU is a better team. And anything can happen in one game. It's not like Clemson's terrible. Clemson, I do think, is the second or third best team in the country. But I just think right now everything is going LSU's way. And this team is just so professional. You know, they have just always been on the task at hand and winning this game. It is a high-character team, and I think they know about 2011. I mean, they weren't there for this team, but I think it means something to them to, to bury the 2011 game. And I, I think LSU is going to add a banner.
3: Yeah. I, th- I think the game mirrors maybe like a lesser version of the, the Florida game. Maybe where. Yeah.
0: Florida's actually, I think the closest comp to Clemson, okay. but they have a much better quarterback, much better quarterback.
3: I think LSU won't be as like, I mean, LSU probably like 12 yards per play on Florida. It's maybe the best LSU's offense has actually played all year and they, like, they only ran like 40-something plays or whatever. So I think like in Florida will be a bit better, like Clemson will be a bit better on offense than Florida was. and know might be a bit worse on offense, but I think it's that kind of game where it's maybe Clemson can kind of keep LSU off the field for a bit, and it's, you know, oh, the score is kind of close, but by the LSU's just ahead by 10 or 14, and when they need to score, they score to kind of put it on a replay kind of. I don't think, I don't see it as like the Alabama game really. I don't think Clemson on offense is as good as that fully healthy Alabama offense was. I mean, Lawrence is amazing, but I don't know if he is better than fully healthy Tua. I don't know if Tua was fully healthy that game, but for all intents and purposes, that was, you know, Tua at his best really. And so I don't know if that is kind of the game I see either. So yeah, I think the Florida game is kind of the one that I sort of look at. Maybe the Texas game just a bit as well that, LSU's defense can't quite, you know, hold close. But I just, I just think it's kind of like LSU's big games all year where they are not – ne- the opposing team never gets the ball with a chance to – with one score. Like, it's – I don't have that, – that was – I don't I can't you know, recall a game in like this second half. Or maybe like Texas had once where the other team gets the ball with a chance to, you know, tie or take the
0: lead. Um, I think Florida I, had a chance early in the third quarter. But
3: no, yeah, no one yeah, in the fourth
0: quarter. Yeah, That's Texas kind of where you assert
3: yourself. Texas had one in the, th- the third, fourth quarter, I think. No, then- they never They never had in the
0: second half of the chance to tie the game. Okay. So then, yeah, then
3: Florida might have had one. But, yeah, basically I think that's kind of what it is, L.C. leads. But maybe Clemson, you know, scores a touchdown to get it to three or seven, but I think L.C. will score right back. And so, yeah, I think it's that kind of 45, 34, something like that, you know, kind of game.
0: I hope you guys are right, man. <laughs> I know. Hey, you I'll, I'll you, take you, you it, man. Been, you have been the you know you have been the prophet, so you've convinced me. this This team is. I don't see how you stop them. I really don't.
2: I agree, but at the same time, like this is a team that recruits better than pretty much anyone else in the country that we're playing against. Like they're good. I know yeah. they haven't played anybody, yeah. but I kind of am on Jake's side where it's like they're still good. They haven't been yeah, tested like, yeah, one yeah. bit, but oh you, yeah, of but course you, they're good.
0: But, I mean, because as much as we talk about their recruiting, yeah. they uh, their uh, team score is uh, – Jake was poo-pooing Oklahoma last week. Clemson's behind Oklahoma on 247's team team rankings. I mean, they're only slightly behind them, but they're at Oklahoma level.
3: Well, I mean, they they kind of curve around, but they take less guys, and they, um, they're like, basically, they like – basically, they play or develop better than anyone. No one develops players better than Clemson. That's exactly right. They, exactly. they do play better. That's what it is. and again, yeah, they and they they're they're a bit slower and like they take less players. Like they, tra- Clemson has more like nineteen to twenty guy classes than twenty five guy, you know, the full guys because they're very kind of specific with what they who they take and how they put their class together, and it works for them. I mean,
0: but as far as like talent, yeah, I mean they're. But if you don't want to just say raw talent, Bama and Georgia. Oh, no,
3: Bama's. Yeah, and as far as like the most talented team L.C. Will, has played all year or will play is this year's Tampa team and basically Alabama, yeah. you know, every year, but no, it's not, that, it's not that you recruits at
0: an elite level and LSU. I mean, just destroy Georgia. I think Clemson will give up more of a fight than Georgia, but oh, uh, I think the floor, I think the Florida game is a really good analogy, but I do think Clemson to win this game. Clemson needs something like the Ohio state game. They need a break. They need something to go their way, which of course can happen. That's not the craziest thing in the world. A fluke fumble, you know, Burrow throws a pick, a review doesn't go LSU's way. I mean, this is not unheard of stuff, but I think that's what Clemson needs. and LSU really hasn't had that happen. The Alabama game was,
3: I guess the one because with the two of fumbling in the inside the ten yard line. But other than that, like it's that's the, that's kind of the wild thing with LSU's big game, In Florida or against Georgia or you know, Oklahoma. It's like they haven't had like one where it's felt like you know they've had like a lot of breaks. They just beat you. That they just flat out line up and they just beat you. And, and I think that's what this game is here. It's not that I think it's blowout necessarily. It's not that there's anything wrong with Clemson. I mean, like like saying Clemson doesn't have the pass rush to beat LSU is not saying that like Clemson doesn't have a. a you know, a a good pass rush or, you know, it's saying that you don't have a good enough pass rush to beat the best passing quarterback in the last 20 something years of college football, or maybe ever. Like, that's what it says. You know, it's, um, I just, yeah, I just don't know if there's a way to, it's an incredible quarterback with five guys that you all have to stop. And I mean, with, with Clyde fully healthy, you can run the same guys at you for like twenty-five plays in a row, like that. that that's like one of the most when they did it against Georgia in the SEC championship game, when they just kept the same dudes on the field every single play, again and again and again. And how do you stop that? I just not not these guys. Yeah, you know? I just I don't think I don't really think there's a way to unless they beat themselves, and maybe they do. You never know when Clemson yeah, I don't, I- apply pressure too, but it's. This it's, team is not beating themselves. It's, yeah, it's hard to see these guys beating themselves in this, this game. This
0: team's not beating themselves. I think it comes down to this. We are living in Seth's world. This is the number one offense in the country playing the number one defense. And do you think we live in an era in which the number one defense beats the number one offense? Nope. Probably not. Uh, I, that, I think that is the philosophical question. Because Clemson is, by advanced metrics and traditional metrics, the number one defense in the country. And LSU was the number one offense, but we are living in an offense era. And if you think that the best defense wins, I would say where we are right now, eight times out of ten, nine times out of ten, the best offense wins. It's just how the game is played right now.
2: Margins
3: are just so slim. I mean, I look back to like a couple of years ago when Clemson played like Ohio State in the fiesta bowl when they won 31 nothing like sean watson threw two picks and they still won 31 nothing that's like it's it's just it's changed even so much from then where it's like i think you need just such a crazy great yeah crazy great quarterback and you need to have a crazy great game from that quarter. And it's you know i do know i just don't know how you stop joe burrow like I, I just don't know the way to really do it i mean we kind of know the way you sort of do it but there's a difference between the, knowing the way to do it and actually being able to do it. Everyone, even, it even, even the things. way of even the way of doing it is—I don't know. Hope to you know, as we've said, I'll screw up like four drives in the <laughs>
0: Yeah, working in theory isn't working in practice, and with that, we'll go to the mailbag.
1: Okay, so we touched on uh, Clemson's defense earlier. Jacob Hibbard asked, uh, "What have you all seen from Clemson's defense, and how does it match up with Joe Burrow's buzzsaw? Do you feel like we adequately answered that question
2: already?" Oh, sure. I, well, it's I'm, I have the. Uh, I was talking to you guys about the the Syracuse game that I was at, and I have it on right now. And Venables has actually changed his defense. I don't know what when it happened. I'll probably look into it this week. But yeah, he was doing a lot of you know that that funky three down with a fourth rusher coming from somewhere uh, early in the season, and uh, because I think he didn't feel like he had the players up front, and then later in the year, like like against Virginia and, and um, Ohio State, it was it was kind of a classic you know four two four three whatever you want to call it look so it'll be interesting to see where he kind of where he kind of goes with it I think for him going back to that funky three down stuff is probably the best way to do it I don't think if you just play a regular four down defense I think burrow kills you so Uh, so yeah
1: Okay, Max Toscano has a question for Seth. He says, Clemson's offense is very simplistic. A lot of sideline fades, smashes with corner posts off of it. How successful do you see the defense being with that? And will Aranda finally travel Stingley to the slot, if need be?
2: I I don't think he will. I think this... Like, we heard about it, remember, early in the season when they wanted to move um, Fulton inside? You know, we heard about it during the week. So I feel like the fact that we haven't heard that yet, I could be totally wrong, but the fact that we haven't heard that yet means I would say Stingley is going to stay outside with Fulton. Carrie Vincent has played much, much better in the past. I mean, the whole defense has played much better the past two months. So I'm not as worried um, in terms of Clemson's offense. Look, this is, they're going to make plays. They're super talented on the outside. They're going to throw jump balls and they're going to get one. I say that as I watch Justin Ross go up over a very small Clemson cornerback uh, to make a big play. (laughs) Like, they're going to do it because LSU is going to play a lot of man, and you know they're they're going to make plays, man. They're uh, they're too talented not to make plays. And even how good you know we are on the outside, and how good uh, our safeties are, and how good our nickel is, they're going to make plays. can we get off the field when we when we do put them in third downs? I think is kind of the most interesting thing for me because I think of early downs. Um, Brody Millen in his athletic article wrote about how LSU is not very good on early downs, but when they get you in third down, they're lights out. And that's for me. That's because they play kind of base early. And that means they're kind of you know quarters off coverage. They're thirty-four, or they play their four-down man coverage. And we're not—I don't think we're going to see a lot of that thirty-four quarter zone stuff. I think we're going to see a lot more cover one. So you you gotta—you know—you gotta make plays on the outside. I think we can, but don't be surprised if they catch a few jump balls. They catch a nice uh, a corner. Stuff like that. It's simple, but it gets the ball to their receivers. That's their offense. It's, it's, and it's the way their offense has been for, you know, since since they kind of took over college football.
0: And I think that's the big point is be who you are. Uh, yeah. uh, Clemson's not going to suddenly radically transform their offense. LSU's not going to suddenly transform their defense. You made the national championship game. You can throw in a wrinkle here or two, you know, just kind of as a surprise. But you're not going to radically transform what you do. And LSU plays man Clemson throws to those outside receivers. So why would we move Stingley to the slot? Anyway, who's in the slot? Uh, I mean, if you look at Clemson, their top two receivers Higgins and Ross play on the outside. And then their number three receiver, Amari Rogers is under six feet tall. Um, He hasn't, I mean, he made some big plays early in the year, but he's kind of been a non-factor, you know, since Louisville. So it's not like Kerry Vincent's being charged with a really big assignment. It's not like a lot of other games where he's had like a some crazy matchup. The reason they were talking about moving Fulton to the inside was because Vincent was going to face, in a slot receiver, was going to face what was effectively a team's number two receiver. And so there was some talk of changing the matchup. Here, Clemson's top two receivers are going to play the outside on almost every play. I mean, there'll be some plays they don't. But... There isn't that same need. Their number three receiver is not Terrace Marshall. <laughs> I mean, oh. he's a guy that matches... I think I like LSU's matchup there with Kerry Vincent against their inside slot receiver. And But I do think Seth is entirely right when he says, Clemson is good. They're going to make plays. I, I mean, you are not going to see Clemson yeah. score three points, and that's it. I, I mean... T. Higgins had over 1,000 yards receiving this season, and I think Justin Ross is even better, even though he didn't have quite the same numbers. Ross can go off at any time, and he's going to make big plays, and you just have to accept that's part of the game. The, the key is, is limiting those big plays, and if you think LSU's offense is going to keep scoring, it's okay if Clemson scores 20 points. You just don't want them to score 40 points.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a matter of, I mean, like when Oklahoma made the big Clay Lamb, it's like, all right, well, that happens, you know, like CeeDee Lamb's coming to catch. It's the same thing with OU's, or not OU, Clemson's guys. They're just, they're too good, and they've got, like, there are going to be some passes that, where Trevor Lawrence just puts it in a spot where only his guy can catch it. He's a generational talent. That's what happens when you face those kinds of guys. It's the same thing when LSU faced Alabama in that second. Like Alabama went up and down the field on them a couple of times, but when you go back and watch it, you're like, man, they just had some plays where you just there's nothing you can do. Tua just put the ball like Stingly, you know, scratches the ball with his fingernails, and Owings still wants to being a catch. Like they're gonna make those plays, but but yeah, I think the point on Clemson's receivers is going like, is Amari Rogers as good as Henry Ruggs? I don't think so, and. Henry Rocks had three catches against LSU for 68 yards. So, you know, that kind of gives you sort of an idea of what, you know, like, you know, comparable to what LSU did. I think that was the discussion, It was against Alabama where it's, you know, yeah, they've got three first-round wide receivers, you know, that you're, you know, dealing with. Maybe you move one of them. But Clemson's got two. But I don't know if Rodgers is, you know, the third guy. So, I mean, if – and it was – also, you know, there was like Riley was going to try to make a big effort to get in the slot because that was what Oklahoma did. I mean, that's what Lincoln Riley does. He's going to try to, you know, match up, out scheme you, you know, and create matchups. That's not what Clemson does. And they don't do that because it works for them. You know, what they've done works. I mean, they put up 40 something points in the national championship game last year doing exactly this. So, I mean, it's not like they're going to think that, ah, oh, well, we can't do it. No, they're going to try and do it. And it's just a question of whether it succeeds.
1: So, Vineyard Dog replied to Poser earlier today and wanted to ask how badly will Jay Clark dunk on Courtney kupitz Carter after the gymnastics meet this weekend? And will he request a special basketball goal be set up in the arena for the event?
0: First off, I do appreciate it. we got a gym question. Thank you, Vineyard Dog. Um, no, I don't think he is. Uh, I think he's got too much respect for the Georgia program where he came from and we stole him from and now is going to be our our current co-head coach now with D.D. Bro, and eventually will be our future head coach when D.D. Bro decides to hang up the jackets. But, look, LSU is pretty shaky at its opener. We're not going to trash talk anybody right now. Uh, that team's got a lot of talent, but this was, by score, LSU's worst performance in five or six years. There is some potential there. I mean, it, but this is a team that's relying on a lot of freshmen. LSU gym is not there yet. So, um, there will be no dunking. We're, if LSU was fortunate enough to beat Georgia in their arena, uh, I think we're just going to slink off into the night and just be happy with what we got. All right. Anyone else got a scolding scolding Hodge gym take? <laughs> Either one All right. All right.
1: Jacob Hibbert asks if LSU could get the win here, and based on how O's been building things, do you think this will catapult LSU's program to a Clemson-like level and will be competing for the playoff each year?
2: I That's tough because Clemson can go into a season with Kelly Bryant as a starter and still make the playoffs because of the conference. LSU can't do that. Like if, if Miles Brennan Brennan is just Kelly Bryant type level player, obviously they're different stylistically, but if he's that type of player, LSU's not going to the playoff. So I, I would I, I it's that's tough. That's tough for me to say. Um I think it's gonna be the same thing every year. Like I I don't think this is gonna I think we're gonna revert back to closer to what we've seen in the past. But I just hope that we can get the Kind of at least split the games now going forward with Alabama, because I don't think we're going to see this ever again. Like it's it, this is not. It's just <laughs> it's. Uh, I don't know. We'll see, but uh, I don't think we're ever going to see this again.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's hard to get onto that kind of. Also, I think people's perception of what is a successful program has kind of been skewed by Bam in the last couple of years and now Clemson running roughshod over the ACC where they really have no competition. The ACC is totally crater. I think one of the things that's going to prevent it is just how good the SEC is. Yeah. Um, yeah, we can say LSU is now recruiting on a national level. They're elite. Look, Florida's picking up their recruiting again. I hate to say it, AM is recruiting really well. And those are the teams that are kind of behind us. You still have Georgia, who is, you know, an elite team that's just kind of on the cusp of the playoffs every year. I think Auburn's gonna be great s- still uh, next year and you know going forward. Bama's not going anywhere. I just think the sheer attrition of playing the teams you have to play, I think LSU will fall back into a consistent contender. But I just think there's too many good teams in the SEC for anyone to be Clem- what Clemson is right now, or even what Bama has been over the past couple of years. I'm not saying the Bama dynasty is over, but I do think the rest of the SEC, the top teams in the SEC are kind of catching them, and it's become kind of becoming a tier where they are just totally outstripping the bottom half of the conference. I think if the question is, is LSU going to be
3: like... What Clemson is in terms of making the playoff, like five years in a row? No, I don't think that's going to. Happen. Is the like has LSU entered that tier with Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and then I guess slightly like a tick below them, Oklahoma and Georgia? Yes, I think LSU has entered that tier, and I think they're going to stay there. Like I mean, so like if like if your question to me is like. Is LSU going to make the playoff again within the next four years? Yes, I think they will. I think they'll be. I'm not gonna say it's definitely gonna be next year, or you know, like I don't know. But if is it gonna happen with like the next this, you know, upcoming recruiting class, the senior class? Yeah, I think they will get to the playoff again. And I think LSU's reaching a point where you know, like even when LSU was great. Under less miles, there were still years where maybe they lost to like a, a good Arkansas team or beat a good Ole Miss team. You know, I don't think that I don't see that. But I think LSU is getting to the point with the way they're recruiting, and now with the coaching staff they're building, that I I think only elite teams are going to be beating LSU. The thing is that when you're LSU, you play like two to three elite teams a year. So that means that there's naturally losses, but I think it's. Like, I could see LSU being in a position where they're reeling off top ten finishes routinely. That doesn't mean they're making the playoff every year because that's hard. Like, LSU could... Like, LSU's never had a year where they've gone, like, 11-1 and one and had one loss to keep them out of the SEC championship game or, you know, the playoff. But I could see something like that happening in maybe the next couple of years. where they go 11-1 and one but lose to an Alabama. Maybe Alabama goes undefeated and that leaves you sitting on the outside. So, like I think LSU has entered that kind of top tier and I think they're there to stay. But yeah, I don't I don't think they're gonna be running off a Clemson type run or as potter said, like Alabama
0: making the five years in a row to start the playoffs. Yeah, but I do think Jake is right on the fact where you look at like the stratification of the SEC and also all of college football is getting worse and worse. So I, I think it's becoming less likely where you're gonna see like Arkansas and Ole Miss and Mississippi State give a run to those top teams in the conference. They're becoming yeah. more and more like cannon fodder. And unless something needs to change. But how it trends right now, or at least over the next you know, three to five years, Auburn, LSU, Bama, you can put a in that group because they don't really lose below them. But they're kind of a weird team. Florida, Georgia, they're just ahead of the pack. And they're only going to lose to each other. I think
3: there's a gap even
0: to Auburn and Florida. Honestly, yeah. Like you look like
3: what Georgia. You look like what Georgia's done to Auburn. So like LSU blew out Georgia this year, and Georgia has never really looked like close to losing to Florida in the last couple of years. And since losing to Auburn in the game in 2017, Georgia has since beaten them three years in a row. It's so like I mean Georgia's just whooped up on Auburn. Yeah, you, you, you can say that. And, so you can say there's a middle and, tier there of Florida, and,
0: and, Auburn, A and
3: M. Yeah, like so. I, I think even like and look, Florida's won. New York six bowls back to back years ten games last year eleven this year even as them it's like man what are they going to do to beat Georgia and people are crapping on Georgia so like like lately with some of the games they've lost so yeah like I think there's even a you know a gap like now could I see like could an Auburn or Florida you know like could I see them cracking one year yeah like I, th- I think they're they're in that tier you know a, a one year everything can kind of go right and they can do it but that but it's, it's not like you know where like f- like five years ago when it was like Mississippi State and Ole Miss you know, nearly won the SEC West. No, it's, that's not in, I mean, you see that around the country too, like Penn State. Penn State's been top 10 three out of the last four years. And because they haven't been Ohio State, they haven't gone to the play. You know, question of them, it's like, you look at what Ohio State's doing, it's like, I don't know if Penn State can the Ohio State. And Penn
0: State's really freaking yeah, good. But, but like Penn State's a fairly, but yeah, Penn State's a fairly elite program. I and mean, what, what you're not seeing now in the Big Ten is, you know, Sparty. I mean, they they have just fallen back to earth. Or even a couple years ago, you know, Maryland rose up and beat Penn State. That's just not happening right now. You know, even though Maryland did give Ohio State a run for their money last year. But uh, um, right now we're in an era where the rich are getting richer. And LSU right now is fortunate to be one of the rich. We can leave it at that.
1: Hey, Gingerbread Florida Man asks, How tall should Joe Burrow's statue be? In cubits, obviously. (laughs) (laughs)
0: oh what's a cubit i remember this uh i was told there would would be no man (laughs) see i was trying to tell a bill cosby joke um is that still allowed? i'm not gonna gonna do it in cubits but um it's gonna be big or do you make it bigger than billy cannon's i mean in a way Uh, i don't know yeah i I mean in a way billy cannon will always be more legendary yeah because everybody saw Joe Burrow and there's always going to be digital prints and people are going to watch it. You know, Canon just has like this mythical film that's all foggy and hard to see. So I think it will be precisely the same size as Billy Cannon's.
2: What, what is Joe Burrow doing? What is, what is the pose though?
0: (sighs) Holding up his pants. Uh, (laughs) Um, I would say he's kind of doing – he's doing the throw against Texas where he's kind of throwing the ball in kind of mid-leap. His feet aren't really touching the ground. They're kind of throwing – not against his body, but not really with his body, like all arm. Just get it downfield.
3: Or the one like the one he – the jersey the before the – against a where he had, you know, the, the Burrow jersey, something like Yeah, that. pointing to the back. Yeah, yeah doing probably. the thumbs. Yeah.
0: If you asked him, I bet you'd be something about when he like he took out the Georgia linebacker trying to rush for a bunch of yards. I think yeah, that's, he that's wanted cool it to, thing. you know, be something like that. But yeah, he's getting a statue. Uh, um, it's not going to happen next year. Let's let stuff breathe a little bit. But he, he, I, I think we're getting to the point: you win a Heisman, you get a statue. Oh yeah. So, oh, but you know what? Not Let's not wait. You know, wait till he retires from the NFL and then build one. You know. So that way you know you have a reason for him to come back we're, we're not gonna be pining over this debt over these days two years from now, hopefully you know we might be pining over these days you know ten years from now. you never know
1: all right, so this was something that I kind of saw earlier today that I wanted you guys to comment on Shay Dixon posted about uh, the 24 seven sports team ranked their ten favorite college football uniforms of 2019. And LSU's white helmet, purple jersey, and white pants combo checked in at number one. What do you guys think about that?
2: That's
3: the Vanderbilt game? Yeah. And there was one other one that worked
0: in, too. I think it was Northwestern State. Northwestern State. Oh, Utah? No, 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 because it's the white pants as well. Because remember, Northwestern State, didn't they also have the yellow pants? No, the regular yellow yellow pants. pants Yellow
3: pants with Utah
0: State. Well, they normally wear purple and Utah
3: yellow, State. And... Yeah, Utah State. Yeah. Utah State. Utah State was the normal purple and gold. Northwestern State and Vandy were the uh, the white,
0: purple, white color. Uh, I yeah, just... I like. The... Yeah, I, I really like the white helmets. Actually, yeah. to be honest, I like the purple helmets when we unveil those. Oh things. yeah, those. Are good, too. I mean, I want us to stick with our traditional uniform, but I have to say, when we can roll out the purple helmets, uh, I'm pretty pumped by that. I like that we don't overdo it, and it's still recognizably LSU.
1: Yeah, that I think is the key, because I'm one of those, you know, get off my lawn, young children. I, I like the traditional unis. Like, Penn State should never have an alternative uni. Alabama should never, ever have an alternative uniform. There are just some things that are classics and should remain so. And I like the way that – I understand that that's what the kids want. It's it's the you know Nikefication of – college football uniforms and you know the fact that oregon has 275 different versions the kids think that's cool that's that's fine it's a generational thing i get it but i really do appreciate like you were saying poser how lsu the alternatives that they bring out it's still recognizable as our uniform and they don't do it you know every other game it's it's special occasions
0: yeah, like I, I think there's a way to do it. Also, I think they keep our color pattern. Like, I want it still to be that you turn on the TV and you're like, "Oh, that's LSU." Like, even if you're not an LSU fan, you can be like, "Oh, well, it's you know, it's purple and gold or white." I know that's LSU, but yeah, I do. The white on purple look is is pretty snazzy. I like the way that they've made the purple jersey work because I have to admit, since we wear the tradition is white at home, and then you go on the road, you normally wear white. I can see how players are like come on I don't want to wear white all the time. So, I'm glad they've been able to mix things up without while at the same time preserving tradition. That's a that's a really tough line to walk and I think LSU's uniform people have really done that well. So, good on them.
3: I think all yeah, all the alternates, awesome even the one they the, that gold one they wore against Mississippi State the white pants a couple of years ago, that one was nice too. Yeah. I think they had the... I think they were the block... I think they were the block L helmets for that game.
0: Um, yeah. And as long as they never bring back purple pants, we're okay.
3: Yeah. Just, just, yeah. Just stay away from that.
1: I really like the uh, all-white uniform they rolled out a few years ago.
3: Oh, yeah. Those, those ones are good. Yeah. That,
1: that was really nice looking, too.
3: No, all their alternates are... are really... are really good. And I like the purple uniform. So, like... I think... I mean, the LSU being, like, one of the, the few schools to where white is, you know, white at home is cool, you know, and it's a, like a unique thing to LSU and LSU's home units are like one of the best in
2: college football, but I
3: really like the purple one, So, you know, anytime they get to break those out is always cool with me.
2: I'm excited to just see LSU play against a different uniform. You know, it's been a while since we played Clemson. They also do, you know, They've, since we've played them. They are they're doing they're part of like the, the Nikeification of the college football uniform. They have a bunch of different combinations and stuff. So I'm just I'm just excited to watch our jerseys versus their jerseys because it's something we don't see very often.
3: I thinking, yeah, so yeah. They're gonna wear. I, I, lo- I love their white jersey. Their white set is the one they wore against Ohio State. I love that one. Like their yeah. white combo. The one is I think they're probably gonna go like solid. I guess orange because LSU's going to wear white, obviously, and that's... Yeah. Um, which I don't... Like, two solid colors isn't like... You know, going like all something isn't necessarily like my... Well, then it's a color isn't necessarily my, like, favorite. Um,
0: yeah, they tend to so, look like
3: pajamas if you yeah. go all one color. Unless it's so, all like, white. I, I guess, I guess actually, they might wear white because is wearing uh, yellow pants, obviously. So maybe they'll go orange and uh, white pants, which looks... That one looks really nice.
1: All right, finally, Jacob Hibbard has more of a comment than a question. He says, the Star Wars sequel trilogy wasn't a sequel trilogy. It was a poorly planned reboot.
3: Well, I mean, it was... I don't know if I want to say poorly planned. I mean, in some ways, yeah. It was poorly planned. I, I thought, when you watch all three of the movies, which I oh, I enjoyed all of them. Like I, I know that there's like... The, like makes me like kind of the odd person out to actually have enjoyed like all of them as opposed to like liking one and then hating like the second one and loving the third one or loving the second one and hating the third one i actually like all of them but yeah i think they all they all kind of feel more like separate than they do like sequels to each other i mean it was a sequel trilogy like it's you know a different sort of story in some ways a continuation but also kind of a, a new you know term usual page so i don't know if it was a a reboot necessarily and like totally poorly done, but yeah, I think they could have done it better. Like after the after the Force Wagons, I thought like they could have made like the three best Star Wars movies, maybe
0: ever, but they didn't. But I mean I, I still like all of them. Okay, unpopular opinion time. <sighs> <All> right, <that's laughs> Here just, we go. Yeah. Alright. I first off they're clearly sequels because they don't reboot, they rely heavily on the mythology of the six movies that had come before, you know, they're using the same characters, but older. It's not like they just, they didn't, a reboot is like Star Trek where they just started, you know, Kirk over again. And they don't, I mean, they didn't wipe the slate clean. They're clearly sequels. I think the second part of it's kind of true. They clearly did not plan it out. I, I agree with that part. And the sequels had two directors, who could not be more opposed to one another. And I think Abrams was the right choice for The Force Awakens because basically they needed some credibility to show that they knew how to make a Star Wars movie again. Because I know there's been some effort to rehab the prequels, but they're not good. And so they just needed to have, hey, I know how to make a competent Star Wars movie. And there's a lot of there is some nostalgia they play on. They definitely play the right, you know, the same notes again, but there's at least variations on the theme and it's what JJ Abrams does best, which is basically variations on the theme of nostalgia. So yay, totally did everything they're supposed to do in the first movie. This is where a popular opinion comes in. They bring in Ryan Johnson, who's an actual really great film director, uh, knives out outstanding. If you haven't seen it yet, Looper is one of the best sci-fi movies of the last 10 years. Um, Ryan Johnson's great, and basically he did exactly what you want a middle movie to do of a trilogy. But this was the eighth movie. What he did is he blew everything up, and that's exactly what he was supposed to do. And he just took he took all of the lore and everything that existed in the Star Wars universe, and he took a big eraser and he just he just erased all of it. Or actually, that's not even true. It's more that he took an etch a you know, like a snow globe, and he shook the whole thing up. And the problem is, is that fans are so attached to everything that any little change just makes them go crazy. And they can't take anything. Like, people complain about Luke being a cranky old Jedi as if Yoda wasn't a cranky old Jedi in Empire. It is—they turned Luke into Yoda, and people were complaining. I mean, that's how much people don't like change. And this is a whole movie where they basically this is a movie that's been just been trapped for eight movies under the lore of the Skywalkers. Like everything has to be about this one damn family, and it's gotten old. And Ryan Johnson made a movie where he's just like, This family doesn't matter. Blood doesn't matter. It could be anyone, it's the people. And he he kind of released it and said, anybody can have it. And he at the end of the eighth movie, even if you hated it, which Okay, I disagree with you. You shouldn't hate that movie. It's brilliant. But even if you did, you should at least appreciate that he you could go anywhere after the eighth movie. There was nothing left standing that you had to do anymore. There were no I's that you had to dot. There were no T's that you had to cross. You had an infinite space to tell a story. And instead of bringing in someone to complete the trilogy... They brought JJ Abrams back to go back to nostalgia. And he basically, in the place of everything that's been destroyed, rebuilt the same stuff in its place. And that was a disappointment, but I agree with Jake. It was fine. I enjoyed it. But I felt the ninth movie could have been so much more. There was so much potential. Ryan Johnson handed off a movie to a director that could have literally done anything with that space. And It just felt like such a missed opportunity. And now we're still trapped under the Skywalker lore. We're trapped under everything and we're back where we started. And the story didn't progress through the trilogy. And that was the problem with it. (sighs) End of rant. And I'll I'll let Chris go because I know Chris is a big Star Wars nerd as well.
1: Well, I agree with Jake that... The trilogy was very disjointed. There, there was not a cohesive narrative running through it. And I think that was the issue with it, is that it, it, they don't feel – they don't flow.
3: Yeah, it's like three different movies.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, as bad as I think the prequels were, you could at least see the flow of narrative through all three of them.
0: Yeah, and they had the same tone. Right, you could not find two more different guys than a- Abrams and in Johnson. They, right. there was push pull there.
1: And I'm not going to rehash everything I've said over in my other podcast, which I will plug now. Big Fat Geek Podcast. Go search for that anywhere. We've done numerous Star Wars episodes. You can hear us r- rant and rave over there. But I, I didn't so much have a problem with the way Ryan Johnson shook up the snow globe. It. <laughs> I don't mind the shaking of the snow globe if it serves a purpose, and I think because we did not have that cohesive narrative running through the three, it didn't. It, it looks like just shaking the snow globe for the for the sake of shaking it, and so therefore, that's why I continue to have a problem with Last Jedi is that it looks just like he's screwing around to screw around, so. But before, uh, you know, here's my feelings about Last Jedi. A couple of days before I went to go see Rise of Skywalker, I watched it again, but I literally only watched like 30 minutes of it. I fast-forwarded through the rest, because that's how useless I think most of that movie is. So
0: awesome. there you go. I, I, I love, I think this is what it comes down to, is Last Jedi is probably a movie made for people who didn't grow up loving Star Wars. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it I can is, see that. It is aggressive towards fans. They, there are no, there is nothing left held sacred, and honestly, they go after sacred stuff. And I, I think that's what the series, uh, any series, needs. That stuff gets it gets old. It just gets dusty, and I, I, I it's like, uh, um, what's his face in uh, um, of mice and men. You know, you hug the bunny so close and you love it so much, you crush it to death. You gotta, you know, let it breathe. And I I think, and this isn't just Star Wars fans. This is fans of everything. They're so reluctant to have any sort of radical change to it. And it's one thing if you don't want radical change if it's only like two or three years old. I get it. This is why I just loved it. But like, Star Wars has been around for almost 50 years. I mean, it needed to be shook up. And I think running back to the safety in the last movie was what makes it so disappointing. And that's not a problem that's a structural trilogy problem, not a problem with the the two hours you spent watching the movie. Watch the movie, it's fine. You're like, hey. But yeah, what's the point of destroying everything if you're not gonna rebuild anything in its place? It's like you burn the forest down, you know, to allow the new brush to grow, and then you just planted the old trees back in. It's it's just a very weird decision. I think my issue with it is not, I admire like his,
3: I admire the idea of it. Like I admire the idea of trying to change things up. And I have. I admire some of the decisions he made in terms of trying to make a different Star Wars movie. But I think when you try to make a different Star Wars movie, you kind of still have to make a Star Wars movie. And I don't know if Ryan Johnson really wanted to make a Star Wars movie. I think it's a great movie. I'm not sure if it's a great Star Wars movie,
0: and I that's think a very fair point.
3: I, I, think. I, I think there are certain things that have to be not that like not that every like Star Wars movie has to be the same, but I think there are certain notes that kind of have to remain and kind of certain like core things about it. And I think when you try to burn everything down, you sometimes burn some of those things down as well. And I think that's where like, my issue was it wasn't, like, Luke is a cranky old kind of dude. Like, Luke's kind of cranky to some degree in the originals too. Like, I mean, you know? Like, that's kind of who Luke Skywalker is. You know, some of the stuff they did with, like, Kylo Ren and Ray, I thought that stuff was really cool. And even, like, you know what? Which they, you know, spoiler alert, you know, kind of kind in this one. I didn't even mind making Ray out to be nobody. I didn't even mind that. I thought that was kind of, you know, a, a decent thing as well. Like, some of, like, the individual things he did, I, I didn't mind them at all. I just think there were certain... Like, if J.J. Abrams is maybe too heavy on kind of too much towards the wing of nostalgia, Brian Johnson's too much more towards the wing of, I want to say, like, nothing matters, because I think that's a bit oversimplistic, but too much towards that wing. And so, yeah, I think, like, when I watched it, I'm like, this is a really great movie. Not sure it's a great Star Wars movie. And I think, ultimately, you still kind of have to make a Star Wars movie.
2: Seth hates all of us right now.
0: <laughs>
2: I, the last Star Wars movie I saw was Phantom Menace, so I don't. I'm not really want to talk right now.
0: I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 like I, I do like that somebody in the middle of our championship podcast just threw down the nerd depth charge, <laughs> just exploded, and we're just like, yes, just like. Just ran oh. straight towards it, just ran to the light. Oh, God bless it. So, yeah, Star Wars movies, in the end, even though we disagree, hey, enjoy them. They're fun movies. But at the same time, yes, no, they didn't have a plan. But you know what? They didn't have a plan in the original trilogy. They were rewriting that thing the entire time, too. So, <laughs> don't, you know what? People plan stuff out too much. You know, know, like, they planned the last season of how I met your mother in advance, how that worked for everybody. Sometimes. Don't don't do it. Don't bring it up. Sometimes (laughs) you need to be able to, you know, be flexible and right on the fly is what I'm saying. So I think their problem was hiring. I think if they would have hired a third guy who would have gone in a different direction from the two of them, you, you know, it. To use Jake's where you have a guy who's too much nostalgia and another guy who's not nostalgia enough, if you had a third person who, you know, hit the sweet spot, I think it would have been a great trilogy. I think it would have, it would have landed – every installment would have been exactly what it needed to be. But I, I just – I feel the last one was just such a missed opportunity. But once again, I'm, I'm with Jake. Fun movie. I'm not – I didn't walk out of it just going, it ruined my childhood. Never say that, but know what will ruin my childhood if LSU does not win on Monday <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I am an overgrown child. I need this. I need LSU to win this game. It would be good in my opinion
3: just you know just going out of the win there
2: would be it would be good.
0: yeah
2: yeah we're gonna win. Go Tigers.
0: See that's what I needed out of Seth. Go Tigers. <laughs> Talk to you next week when we're national champions.